Greetings, Earthlings. How do you transition from that? I don't know. But today I am back with a review of the brand new audio interface from Universal Audio. That interface being the Volt 276. If you are interested in this interface, it will cost $300. Like always, I'll throw some affiliate links in the description down below. For the review, I'm going to be using the Rode NT1 running directly into the 276. 48 volts is on, the compressor setting is off, the vintage mode is off, my gain is set at around 1130. I will not do any kind of post-processing, but chances are I will have to boost it a little bit in post, so check the doobly-doo to see what I diddly did. What a shocker, you will get the interface. You'll get an approximately 1 meter or 3 foot USB-C to USB-A cable, an approximately 1 meter USB-A to power adapter cable in case your interface needs additional power, some really thrilling end-user license agreement documentation, and a bunch of free software like Ableton, a Marshall Plexi guitar sim, Melodyne, which is an auto-tune thing, LX480, which is a delay, Ampeg, SVT, Bass Amp from Plugin Alliance, and other stuff too. Then as far as the build quality, I really don't have any complaints about this thing. It is really well put together. It has an all-metal chassis with these nice wooden panels on the side to give it this vintage aesthetic. The dials are all really nicely attached and they don't have any wiggle or wobble to them. The buttons all give a really nice tactile click and feedback to them. None of the XLR ports have any issues with excessive wobble or looseness to them. And if it does matter to you, this interface is made in Taiwan. Now let's do a quick walkthrough of the interface. On the front, the first thing you'll find is a 48 volts phantom power button. It will mute both channels while you're turning on or off phantom power. Then you'll find two identical channels which are made of XLR combination jacks for either an XLR or quarter inch cables. Above that you do have an instrument button to switch the quarter inch input from line level to instrument level. Directly next to that you'll find the headphone volume control. And the last thing on the front is a quarter inch balanced headphone output. Then on top of the interface, you'll find two identical controls for each of the inputs. First, you'll find the 76 compressor button. This is going to switch between the three available compressor modes, which are vocal, guitar, and fast. Beneath that, you'll find the vintage button, which will engage the vintage mode for that input. And I do want to note that from my experience, when you're switching computers or unplugging the interface, all of these settings are saved, so when you plug back in, you're going to be good to go. And lastly, you'll find the gain dial for that channel input. Then when we move a little bit farther to the right, you'll find this massive monitor dial, which controls the quarter-inch monitor outs on the rear of the device. Next to that, you'll find a direct button, which controls the direct monitoring of the inputs. When the light is off, you will have no direct monitoring. When the light is orange, you will have a stereo mix of your inputs. And when the light is blue, you will have a mono mix of your inputs. And the final thing on the top of the interface is a set of meters. On the left-hand side, you will have your input meter, which will display the level that you're recording your inputs at. And on the right-hand side, you will have your output meter, which will represent what you're outputting to your headphones or your monitors. 
And finally, on the rear of the interface, the first thing you'll find is a power switch. Can I get a hallelujah? Next to that, you'll find a 5-volt port to power the interface if your device does not provide sufficient power. You'll find the USB-C port to connect this to whatever device you want to. You'll find a set of 5-pin MIDI ins and outs. And lastly, a set of quarter-inch balanced monitor outputs. Then as far as the specs, this interface records at up to 24-bit, 192 kHz. The mic pre's offer up to 55 dB of gain. They have a dynamic range of 112 dBA, an EIN of negative 127 dBA weighted. They also offer 48 volts of phantom power. As you can see right here, we are getting a full 48 volts. And lastly, I will quickly scroll through the instrument, line input, monitor output, headphone output specs in case you want to dive a little bit more in depth there. Then as far as the headphone output, if you want all of the analytics and specs of it, go check out Julian Krause's video because he does all of that. I just want to say that I found it perfectly capable of driving hard to drive headphones like the Sennheiser HD 650s, and not just to a listenable level, to a deafening level. Plenty of volume there for hard to drive headphones. Now I want to quickly demo what the buttons on the interface do. Currently I have the NT1 in neutral mode, none of the buttons are engaged. Now I've engaged the vintage mode. Here you are getting a high shelf of about 2 dB, as well as a bump in the lower frequencies below 100 Hz, but a very slight bump. I have turned off the vintage mode again, and here's how the NT1 sounds. And again, with the vintage mode engaged, you can hear that top end really be brightened up. Now I will switch on the compressor to the vocal mode. And now I have switched on the vocal compressor. This uses a ratio of 6 to 1. The attack is 2 milliseconds and release is 300 milliseconds. If we jump over to guitar, this has an attack of one and a half milliseconds and a release of 700 milliseconds. And if we go over to fast, I believe this has an attack of 30 microseconds, is that right? And a release of 35 milliseconds. This is going to be an incredibly fast compressor. Now the compressor is off and we will jump back to the vocal compressor right there. Now that is on. The compressor ratio, if I didn't mention, is six to one on all of these settings. The only thing that seems to change between all of the settings is the attack and the release. It would be really interesting to have some way to change the ratio so you could get a functional analog limiter here. That would be an absolute game changer. For an interface at this price to have an analog limiter, I would love to have that ability. Now to really test out the preamps, I have the Shure SM7B running directly into the interface. No cloud lifter, no fed head, no inline preamps. This is running direct in. My gain is set at, I would call that 330 on this thing. And we are hitting around negative 12 dB, so a very healthy level. I will be quiet so you can hear how it sounds here. In case you're a really quiet talker, now I have increased my gain to 100%, and I am whispering, so I'm hitting around negative 12 dB still. Let me go ahead and show you. We are at 100%, and you can hear all of my mouth noises. This sounds terrible, and I will be quiet so you can hear the noise at this level.
And just because we're here and I imagine people will be doing this, I have the 7B running directly into the interface. I have vintage mode engaged, the vocal compressor turned on. My gain is at around 330 again, I would say. And here is how that is sounding. I will be quiet so you can hear the noise generated in this setup. And let's listen to that. Now I'm going to connect a 150 ohm resistor to the mic preamp and slowly increase the gain so we can see how noisy the preamp would be when we're using a standard dynamic microphone. Now we are really getting into the weeds because we're comparing the vintage preamp mode against Universal Audio's classic analog tube preamp, the LA610. I am bypassing the compressor section. The EQ is currently off. My gain is set at plus five, so we're getting a bit of tube coloration. And then the level is set at around three. I'm running that line level into the UA volt, so we have the exact same A to D conversion. Then I also have the microphone running into channel two. That has the gain at 11 o'clock. Vintage mode on, no compressor, nothing, and... I will have been switching back and forth between these, so you should have a good idea of how the actual analog gear sounds versus how the vintage mode emulation sounds like. But wait, there's more. If you've watched <laughs> if you've watched Julian's video on this, he did a frequency response measurement of the interface. Once you engage the vintage mode, he found about a 2 dB high shelf at 10 kilohertz, and then maybe a quarter or a half dB boost at around 50, 60 hertz. I don't have that level of granularity on the 610, so in order to get close, I added a 3 dB high shelf at 10 kilohertz, and then a 1.5 dB boost at 70 hertz to try to mimic what Julian measured. I'm not going to be able to get exact this is as good as it's going to get. So if this is helpful, cool. If not, if we're just getting way out there, so be it. That's what these videos are for, trying to answer as many questions as possible. That's the comparison of the vintage mode on the interface versus the Universal Audio UA610 Vintage Classic Tube Preamp. This one isn't vintage. This is a new one, but you get the point. And because I'm a complete and utter psychopath, and because I had it all set up, now I have the Shure SM7B running through that mic splitter. Again, that is altering the impedance to 600 ohms. The gain on the UA volt is set at around 430. The gain on the LA610 is at plus 10, level at 10. And I have level matched them as close as I can get. 
And this is how it sounds as we switch back and forth between the vintage preamp mode emulation and the real deal. I don't know if anybody's going to be using this exact setup. It's just another point of comparison in case a quieter dynamic really brings out the differences in either of the emulation or the real deal. Just something for you to listen to and compare if you're interested. Okay, that's enough of this comparison stuff. Let's do music test now, I think. Let's do that, sure. Now I'm going to do a very quick spoken word back and forth comparison between the Volt 276 and two other interfaces that I think are pretty fair comparisons. I am using a mic splitter which will alter the microphone's impedance, but it does give us a much better ability to jump back and forth between interfaces because it is the exact same performance. Here is a quick comparison between the UA Volt and Flat Mode and the Audient ID14. Here is a quick comparison between the UA Volt and Flat Mode and the Audient ID14. Both interfaces recording at 24-bit 48kHz gain on the UA at 11 o'clock, gain on the Audient at 11.30. Both interfaces recording at 24-bit 48kHz gain on the UA at 11 o'clock, gain on the Audient at 11.30. Here is a statement so you can hear how the microphone sounds running through the Universal Audio and the SSL2 Plus with the exact same performance. Here is a statement so you can hear how the microphone sounds running through the Universal Audio and the SSL2 Plus with the exact same performance. And just because twice as nice, both interfaces have their gains set at 11 o'clock, 24-bit 48 kilohertz. And just because twice as nice, both interfaces have their gains set at 11 o'clock, 24-bit 48 kilohertz. Then as far as the latency, with our sample rate at 48 kilohertz and an I.O. buffer of 64 samples, we have a round-trip latency of 9 milliseconds and a 4.4 millisecond output latency. Jumping to 128 samples, we have 11.5 milliseconds round-trip or about 5.7 milliseconds output. And jumping up to 256 samples, we have 17 milliseconds round trip, or 8.4 milliseconds output. Then with the sample rate set at 48 kilohertz and the IO buffer at 64 samples, we have a seven millisecond round trip, or 3.3 output. At 128 samples, seven and a half milliseconds round trip, or 3.7 milliseconds output and jumping to 256 samples, 9 milliseconds round trip, or 4.3 milliseconds output. Now I know this is going to be tedious for you to watch because I had to film the darn thing, but we're going to be testing the DI on this thing. I'll play the DI of an electric guitar, electric bass, and acoustic guitar, switch through a few of the different modes, then I'll engage amp sims that were provided with the plugin bundle, and then I will play a full mix while switching through a few of the different modes. Thank you. 
Okay, as far as interfaces go, I think that we are entering an incredibly exciting time because as I've mentioned before, the performance of all of them, at least all of the interfaces at this level, are so good that they have to compete with each other and battle each other in terms of features to try to win the consumer. So I think we're going to start to see these companies start to develop really interesting features to try to get our attention and to try to get us to buy their interface over the competitors. And that is really exciting because when that happens, the consumer wins. We get more options and they have to get better. Pretty cool. And first up, as far as pros, this first one's a little bit of a joke, but it actually comes with the cables required to connect it to a device. Their higher-end interfaces do not. So I do count that as a pro. They actually give you the cables so you can connect it to something. Big pro there. Secondly, if you've watched my review of the Mo2 M2, I think it was, you'll know how much I love a power switch on an interface, and I unironically think that's a great feature because you don't have to unplug it when you're done. You can just reach behind it and flip it off. On the note of turning it off or unplugging it, also storing the settings for the compressor and the vintage mode, they didn't have to do that, makes it a much better user experience. On the note of those settings, I do think that the addition of the 1176 compressor is just a killer feature, and I think that will be the main selling point here. The vintage mode is nice. You can get something similar with the Focusrite Air or the SSL 4K, but the 76 style compressor, which is an analog circuit, is a massive draw for this. And the last two things, as far as the preamps, they are clean enough. They aren't the cleanest at this price point. I think the SSL has negative 131 dBA, so not the cleanest, but more than sufficient, more than clean enough for most use cases. And as far as the meters, they are an improvement over something like the SSL2, which has 10 dB increments. You get much more granular with the meters on this than some of the competition. And then as far as cons, the first thing is that there is no physical mix dial. There's no way to physically mix between zero latency monitoring and the computer playback. Adding that would make it much more user-friendly and much easier to get set up and get running. Also, to get a little bit nitpicky, I'm never the biggest fan of a single 48 volts phantom power button that turns on phantom power for both XLR inputs, because if you end up using a ribbon microphone and a condenser, you may end up damaging the ribbon, so having independent phantom power buttons is what I would prefer. And the last con that I have is more of a suggestion for future iterations of this interface. I understand why they made the compressor section the way it is. It's more universally applicable. But as I mentioned while I was demoing the compressor section, I think that making one of the modes an analog limiter would have made this one of the best releases of the last couple of years. The compressor by itself makes it an amazing interface. But an analog limiter would have just blown everything out of the water, especially for all of the streamers who scream and distort their microphones and sound terrible all the time. That would have fixed the problem and just flown off the shelves. Maybe on a future iteration, but on this one, it doesn't offer that. And to wrap up, would I recommend the Universal Audio Volt 276? Yes, I would. 
As I mentioned in my last review and a couple of times in this review, the performance of interfaces at this level are all pretty darn good, more than sufficient for almost every single recording situation. So what it comes down to is the feature set that's going to sell an interface for you. So if you're looking for an interface that does have that vintage mode, give you a little bit of coloration so it's not so sterile, but mainly, if you want that analog 1176 style compressor, then yes, I would recommend it. And on top of that, you get a power switch on the interface, which is just icing on top. If you wanted all of the gain, the SSL2+, Plus, I can clip the SM7B with this thing, no problem. If you want expansion, if you want an ADAT expansion, the Audient ID14, if you want a USB hub, Arteria Mini, you get the point. There are going to be different feature sets that work for you that fit your precise use case. So if you are somebody who absolutely needs that 76 style compressor in the analog realm, I see no deal breakers that should keep you from getting this over one of the others. And the last thing that I want to address is when you should get the Volt 2 over the Volt 276 or when you should get the Volt 276 over the Volt 2. First thing I will say, the preamps are identical. They perform the exact same. The main difference between these, the meters on the Volt 2, terrible in comparison to the Volt 276. But the main difference is that the Volt 2 does not have those 76 style compressors built into it. So if you don't need that 76 compressor in the analog realm, I would say save yourself the money because you still get that vintage mode on the UA Volt 2. But if you need that compressor, go for the Volt 276. Pretty straightforward. All right, I think that's going to wrap up for today. I know some of these tests were incredibly tedious and incredibly long. I just wanted to answer as many questions as possible. So if you found this video fun, interesting, or helpful, go ahead and give me a thumbs up. If you hated it, give me a big old thumbs down. If you want more videos, go ahead and subscribe. If you want to hang out in a Discord server, you can do that. We do that. Podcastage.com slash Discord. Hang out, talk about microphones all day. And if you want to support the channel and be one of these amazing people over here, you can do so by clicking that join button or going to patreon.com slash podcastage and joining at the $5 tier or higher. Every single one of them really truly does help me continue to bring you these videos. So until next time, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Maybe Friday. I don't know. Bye. <laughs>